White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. And it's pretty deep out and left, and this ball is gone. How about that? How about that timing? This presentation of the ESPN 1000 Chicago White Sox Network is brought to you by Wingtrust Bank and Mazda of Orland Park. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Good morning and welcome to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. We got two hours of White Sox conversation leading up to the pregame show for the White Sox and Orioles this afternoon. Two ball games today. Yesterday did not go as planned. Mother Nature did not cooperate with baseball yesterday. So it'll be a doubleheader for the White Sox and Orioles today. It'll also be a doubleheader for the White Sox and Cleveland Indians on Memorial Day Monday. So a lot of baseball for this Sox squad here in the next handful of days. Good news is they've gotten just a little bit healthier over the last 36 to 48 hours. There are a couple of nagging injuries that will keep a ball player or two out. We'll keep you posted on all of those things. Here's the plan for the show this morning. Vinny Duber, NBC Sports Chicago, is going to join us at 11 o'clock. He covers the White Sox, does it real well. Uh, We're going to talk to him at 11. Your chance for phone calls really all morning long, 312-332-3776. We've got a couple of phone calls into the White Sox clubhouse as well. See if we can fish out of there for you here on White Sox Weekly this morning. I'd I'd like to start with this. I mean, just kind of the the overall state of the team right now. There are some bumps and bruises. There are some uh, lineup changes from last night to today that I think give us a good insight as to where the Sox are at, sitting 29 and 20 and playing two this afternoon. Uh, later this afternoon, I should say, here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Good news is, sun's shining. It's gorgeous. It's uh, hot here in Booth 6 at Guaranteed Rate Field. That's nice, although everybody, uh, Orioles getting warmed up down the right field line here at the ballpark. They're in long sleeves and hoodies right now, just a little bit chilly still. 52, 54-ish, something like that. I think we'll get over 60 at some point today, at least in the sun. It'll be uh, Dallas Keuchel and Lance Lynn starting games one and then two for the White Sox. Now, Matt Harvey is going to go for the Orioles in game one. Harvey has had a rough start to the season, 6.31 ERA. So the matchup is there for the White Sox in game one. Uh, Harvey has only thrown one start this year where he has not given up uh, an unearned run, or rather an earned run. He's given up some earned runs, unearned and everything. Uh, Game two will be Lance Lynn getting the toughest task of this series. He'll face John Means, and Lynn won't have to hit off John Means. That'll be for the White Sox lineup to try and accomplish. He threw a no-hitter earlier this year. He is 4-0 with a 1.79 ERA. Means is is a really incredible story. We'll talk about him a little bit later on in White Sox Weekly and in the pregame show as well. Kind of a guy who rose from middling organizational guy kind of arm into top-tier headed for the all-star game starter for these Baltimore Orioles. And it, and it won't be a guy who just you know makes the all-star team because somebody has to off of a tough squad. John Means is one of the best starters in the American League. So uh, a tough matchup for the White Sox in Game 2. Fortunately, Means can only throw seven innings in that second game because both games will be just seven innings. I find myself having to remind 
well, myself, I guess, and other people, I suppose, too, but mostly myself, that every doubleheader is uh, going to be seven innings uh, this season. So just kind of you know getting back to getting used to that kind of conversation around uh, these doubleheaders. I think it's a good thing. I, I, I like this rule maybe more than any other that we've changed here in 2020 and now 2021, some, some hangover rules from uh, pandemic baseball. Not that they're isn't still uh, health issues around, but the you know the pandemic shortened 60-game season last year changed a whole lot of situations. Um, you want to talk White Sox, this is your morning to do it. 312-332-3776. I find myself looking up and down the lineup today, and maybe that's a good place to start with where the White Sox are at. A couple of changes uh, <clears throat> from yesterday's lineup. Yoan Mankata was going to have the night off. He's gotten that night off because of the rainout, of course, and he's back in the lineup and hitting three. It was going to be Andrew Vaughn hitting third in the White Sox lineup last night. He was going to hit third for the first time in his big league career. I'm sure there will be a couple more chances for Andrew Vaughn to hit third, maybe even this season for the White Sox. I know, you know, given his draft status, his pedigree, and his performance on the field and at the plate this season, it, it looks like he's shaped like a top-of-the-order, you know, 3-4 kind of guy at some point when he, you know, when he really gets it clicking and has a familiarity with Major League pitching. But he's out of the three spot today. Yoan Mankata is back in. Jake Lamb is going to play right field. He was in yesterday's lineup as well. Uh, Vaughn slips down to the seven spot. Nick Madrigal's batting in the nine spot. He's playing second base. So the notable missing in this lineup right now is Adam Eaton. Tony La Russa spoke with reporters earlier this morning, mentioned that Eaton just kind of has the kind of bumps and bruises, kind of nagging stuff with the legs, a, a hamstring that has gotten tight on him in a couple of different situations this year. They're looking to get him as much rest as possible so that he can be as close to 100% as he possibly can be. The White Sox are a different profile. They offer a different profile to starting pitchers when Adam Eaton is in that lineup and healthy and making the kind of contact and drawing out the longer plate appearances and walks and even you know exhibiting just a little bit of pop still in that bat uh, and, and providing that for the White Sox. They're, we're going to check in on the minor leagues as well. Adam Engel is in the middle, well, at the start, I suppose, of a rehab stint at AAA Charlotte. He's been hitting well, and it's not just been him. There have been others in that Charlotte Knights lineup that have been producing some. And as we get closer and closer to the start of June, I mean, just a couple of days away here now, the conversation is starting to shift from, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? Why has he started slow? What's he started? Uh, what's he done differently that's gotten him so hot to start this season? You know, those things start to shift around the game at this point. And instead, as teams and, and individual players kind of solidify their track records and kind of put together a, you know, a more concrete picture of what will be on the back of the baseball card after this season is over, teams start to ask, what do we need? And that's an exciting part of Major League Baseball. I mean, just as a fan, me talking here, that's my favorite part of baseball. That's my favorite time of the year. It's, it's I, you know, I love the start of the season because it's, you know, all kinds of hope. And with this White Sox team, expectations for going deep into a postseason and, you know, maybe even getting the title. Uh, that was the conversation when the season started. Not many teams get to say that at the start of a season. So that was very exciting. You know, and then the postseason, of course, is, is incredibly exciting. But nobody's guaranteed an appearance 
in that postseason. So for me, and, and over the years, as just you know, a baseball fan, somebody who's watched it, those you know, two weeks leading up to the trade deadline with all sorts of what ifs and oh mys and what if this guy could go here and that guy could go there and this who are they going to give up? I, I find that terribly exciting. I'm really looking forward to having kind of those conversations pop up all through June. I, I think what's made it really interesting around baseball, though, is that the White Sox are not alone in their injury situation. You know, obviously having Aloy Jimenez out from the very get-go of the 2021 schedule and then losing Luis Robert shortly into it when he was hitting really well. I mean, Luis Robert, at the time he went down, was a 300, 400, 500 kind of guy. He was really close to that. You know, he had a 300 average at the time. On-base percentage was real close to 400, and slugging was, I I believe, over 5. So he was providing that kind of production offensively, and obviously the, the run prevention that a gold glover gets you in center field. I mean, it, it had just been a real good start for him. But if you look around baseball, you know, whether it's the Angels, who are towards the bottom of the AL West, missing Mike Trout for a good long while, or whether it's the Mets, who are on top of the, or has been have been on top of the NL East for a while, missing every outfielder that they've ever drafted. I mean, they're at a point, the Mets are at a point where, that Bobby Bonilla contract looks interesting to bring back onto the squad. They're so hurt. There, there are a lot of banged-up squads in and around baseball. And I think that changes, you know, kind of how and when and the tenor of the conversations that GMs are able to have once you start talking trades, once you start checking in. And I would guess, and it's just me guessing here, but I would guess now that AAA and and the rest of the minors have really kind of started to get underway. You know, the Knights are eight and fourteen after a win against Norfolk last night. So we're getting, you know, that 20, 25 game mark. Teams were able to see what those more advanced prospects are looking like. Remember last season, there there wasn't a minor league season at all. There was just alternate site stuff. So there's a big catch-up effort throughout baseball to check in on some of the prospects that might be interesting to teams that are looking to offload players and provide contenders with a little more reinforcement. And I I think, too, even from a pro scouting standpoint, you know, guys like, oh, I don't know, Starling Marte are just coming back into lineups for teams like the Miami Marlins uh, back from injury that, that might interest a squad looking for an outfielder, as many, including the White Sox, as many are at this point in the year. So it's a, it's a real exciting end of the month of May. And that's all without the fact that the White Sox have played really good baseball. So let's add that back into the cake, right? Let's bake that back into the mix. This is a fun White Sox team right now, and it's got a little bit of a difficult schedule ahead of it. And I don't mean that necessarily from uh, in terms of, of the opponents. I mean, it is nice to face a, a rebuilding Orioles team that you know hopefully the White Sox can take a handful from. But it's this doubleheader today on Saturday and then another doubleheader on Monday against Cleveland. That, maybe as much as anything, is why Tony La Russa and the White Sox are looking to get Adam Eaton as much rest as possible when he's feeling just a little bit banged up. There's a lot of games here coming up, and more divisional games as well. Not only is it going to be the you know four games in three days against the Indians starting on Memorial Day Monday, but then the White Sox are back home for a four-game set against the Detroit Tigers before their first off day in what will be 17 straight. It was that Yankee series, the Cardinals series, this Baltimore series, Cleveland, then Detroit. 
And I think what's what's interesting to me about this White Sox team, especially the last week, is that it had been playing real well, went into New York, lost two one-run games. And I know we spoke Saturday, you know, on White Sox Weekly before the Sox would lose to Garrett Cole and the Yankees seven to nothing. But this is kind of our first time talking, you and I, uh, since that full Yankee series ended. They got hit. Then they got back up and took two or three against the Cardinals. They won that first game against the Orioles going away. Uh, yeah, it took a minute for the offense to get going some, uh, but Dylan Cease is, had continued, has continued rather, uh, to pitch just as well as he ever has in his big league career. I think if you look at the offense for the White Sox right now, you'll notice whether you want to go through runs per game or maybe some of the on-base percentages, some of the slugging percentages over the last week or so that had been so high for the White Sox and, and kept this team toward the top of the league in a lot of different regards, it's, it's been a little bit of a lower point over the last week of baseball. When you pitch as well as the White Sox have, you can weather some of those things. You know, a couple of breaks here or there, you, you can take that series against the Yankees two games to one. Andrew Vaughn hits a hard ball into a triple play in the ninth inning of a 2-1 loss last Friday. And then Andrew Vaughn homers in Sunday's game. Off a roll as Chapman, who hadn't given up an earned run all season long, Andrew Vaughn gave him his first, and the White Sox ended up you know, handing that game back in the bottom of the ninth, but they tied it up in that ninth against an unhittable closer. So... Yeah, I, I like the resiliency in this team. I, I like their ability to stay in games. There, there just aren't many. That Cole game against the Yankees on the on the twenty second last Saturday, a week from today, a week since today. That's one of what four games where you could look at the Sox and go, eh, they weren't in that one. That's one they lost. And when you're looking at what will be fifty games after game one today. I think it's a pretty good ratio to say 50 games and the Sox just haven't been themselves in, what, four, five of them, maybe? I, I think that's pretty decent, especially when you consider uh, the state of the ball club right now. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. We got uh, two hours to hang out together. Our pregame show at 1230 for Game 1 of the White Sox and Orioles doubleheader today at Guaranteed Rate Field. By the way, Sox fans... Single-game tickets are on sale now for games through June 16th. Plus, promos are back. Secure your spot and catch all the action at home. For tickets and the promo schedule, visit WhiteSox.com. One of the promos is the Tim Anderson Bat Toss Bobblehead. That was scheduled for last night. It is reworked to today. So if you're heading into the ballpark thinking, oh, man, am I going to get that Tim Anderson Bat Flip Bobblehead? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're coming out at 11.40 today. If you get into the park, they're going to be here for you. Tim's real excited about the uh, bobblehead coming out. They were supposed to come out last season. Obviously, that wasn't an option in terms of having fans at the ballpark. Not only is the bat flip bobblehead coming out today, but the Nike City Connect jerseys have been revealed and will be worn today. Tim talked about both of those things. You'll hear from him about each one when we come back. Don't go anywhere. It's White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. This is White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. You got a chance to talk White Sox with us this morning. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. 
I'll tell you, let, let me ask a question to you this way. We're going to talk with Vinny Duber, and I'll ask him this at 11 o'clock. Um, and actually, for being real honest with each other, and I don't, I don't think we do anything else here on the show, I was listening to Brian Hanley and Fred Hubner on my way into the ballpark this morning, and they were asking a question about the most underrated White Sox this season. And I was thinking to myself, huh, I wonder who I'd even put on that list. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that guys are wrong for asking, okay, who's, this, who's an underrated player on this team, right? I think that's an absolutely fair question. It's just, you know, being here every day and, and watching Tony La Russa and the Sox and these players kind of work this lineup together and work a bullpen together and everything. Because of the injuries that have popped up on this team, and I'm not just talking about, obviously, the big guys with Aloha Jimenez and Luis Robert and, you know, Adam Eaton being down for a handful, Tim Anderson having been on the injured list for a stretch of 10 days with the hamstring and now having missed the last uh, two games. I almost said two ga- three, day- three games, but it's, it's been three days, two games, because last night was rained out and Tim's back in the lineup today. Um, but there have been other injuries too, right? You know, like Lance Lynn missed a handful of starts. Uh, Carlos Rodon. Not that it really matters in terms of his performance, because my God, is he been good? But he got bumped back off of a start uh, two times already this season with uh, hamstring and back injuries too, right? So what I mean is, from that perspective, so many guys, all of the guys, have had to step up and play primetime roles at different points this season. So to that end, at least from, from one perspective, from a certain point of view, as, as Obi-Wan would say, Everybody has had to be rated. You know, there is there is no underrated player because each guy has had to take a turn in the limelight. And from that perspective, once you do that, there is no opportunity to be underrated because everybody's had to feature some. But from that end, let's steal something, I guess, from Brian and from Fred. If you've got somebody that you feel is underrated, I want to know about it. 312-332-3776. If you're looking at a ball player out there, you know whether it's somebody out of the pen, whether it's a guy off the bench, even if it's a, I guess, if it's a guy who starts fairly regularly that you think needs to get shouted out a little bit more, give us a call. Let us know. Uh, you can catch the action from a private diamond suite for as low as $100 per person for you and your group. This includes parking, exclusive entrance, and more. Visit WhiteSox.com slash group for more information. I've, I've been into those suites. They are absolutely, oh, they're a blast. They're just so much fun to be in there and watch a ball game. Really nice stuff. And when the dessert cart rolls around, oh, man, you got a stew going. That's what you got. Uh, Vinny Duber is our guest at 11 o'clock. White Sox and Orioles will play two today. First pitch at 110. Len and DJ will take things over there. I see the boys there in their booth. They are getting ready to roll. Tim Anderson spoke a little bit yesterday, and, and I want to deal with, the, um, with, with his health and safety at this point, right? Tim had two days off and mentioned, you'll hear it in this cut too, that a, a sore thumb had maybe been the, the locus of, of the biggest problem for him, you know, being able to grip the bat, especially when you're a right-hander that likes to go inside out as often as Tim does and with power too. It's real important to have... Have your hands. Uh, DJ talks about it a lot on the broadcast, just how important your hands are and being 100% really right there in that grip, being able to manipulate the bat head is crucial to a player's consistent performance. So Tim talked a little bit last night, you know, before we knew we were going to get rained out of the place. Tim talked a little bit last night about how he's feeling after two days off, now three. Here's Tim. So great. Um, you know, just two days to, you know, kind of reset. And, um, you know, the body feels good. Um, so um, I'll be ready. I'll be ready uh, tonight. And, uh, you know, on from here. 
I know you like to be in there as much as you possibly can, but is it good to get that, you know, especially when there's no, when you're in what, 27 games and 27 days stretch where you can get, a, you know, take a little time for yourself to look at the big picture type of thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to just watch, um, you know, and, uh, you know, get that fire back forward. And, but uh, I had, you know, a good two days of rest. Um, you know, my energy's back up. My spirit's back up. I feel great. So I'm ready to go. Tony was saying that maybe you got a sore thumb. That was part of what was going on. Was that affecting your gripping of the bat in any way um, when it was bothering you? Uh, just a little bit, yeah. Um, definitely, you know, it kind of bothered me a little bit, you know, gripping the bat. I couldn't really, you know, get that feeling. Um, and, but those two days of rest and, uh, you know, um, our, our training staff do a great job, um, you know, at getting treatment. So, um, you know, those two days definitely helped me. Uh, I feel like I'm, you know, back in the spot where I need to be. Two days, now three with the rain out. feel like that is, uh, well, that's a blessing for Tim Anderson and the White Sox, of course. Tim had been in a little bit of a cool streak, three for 30. Uh, had hit for power, though, in those three. One was a double down the right field line that scored two. Big hit there. Nice to have the guy contributing uh, in a big way, even though he's in the, in the middle of a, well, had been, I guess, in the middle of a, a fairly long slump. Three for 30 is, is a little bit when you're talking about Tim Anderson, a guy who can win a batting title in the blink of an eye. Uh, Tim's also real excited, and so is everybody, about the City Connect jerseys, the Southside jerseys. You've seen them. They were all over social media yesterday. They sold out in a blink of an eye. The Tim Anderson jersey sold out in two hours from the Chicago Sports Depot across the street here from the ballpark. Uh, But there are hoodies and hats still available, and there will be more jerseys soon. Here's Tim on those awesome-looking jerseys, the City Connect jerseys that the Sox will wear today. Yeah, um, we definitely talked about it. you know, before it, before it came. Um, but we want to do something cool and, you know, kind of be, you know, authentic. And um, I think I think this is more authentic as it get, you know, having Southside on the front, um, you know, it's relatable. I mean, it's just the Southside. So, uh, and just using that term is definitely, you know, makes it a lot more realistic to people that actually, you know, grew up on the Southside and, you know, have been, you know, Sox fans their whole life. So, um I think it's definitely, you know, real relatable, and uh, I think it's real cool and real dope. They definitely turned out. Uh, yeah, exactly. like some of, I was going to say some of the other ones we've seen, you know, they're trying to be really creative and stuff, which are, which is cool. This one seems to harken back more to, like, like what you said. It's relatable. It's like what the brand is about. Right, yeah. It's not doing too much. More so just doing, you know, um, you know, exactly what's right. And I think, you know, these uniforms definitely, you know, uh, the Strive, um, you know, the city. And, um, you know, it don't get, you know, it don't get more authentic and real as that and more and relatable. That is White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson. I promise you, if you haven't seen them yet, just, I mean, just go follow us at ESPN White Sox on Twitter. Go follow the White Sox, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, MySpace, the whole thing. The, these jerseys are, they're hot, hot fire. That's what they are. Tim's right. When we come back here on White Sox Weekly, we'll talk with Vinny Duber. He covers the Sox for NBC Sports Chicago, does a bang-up job. He's a star of a White Sox talk podcast. It'd be nice to uh, rob Chuck Garfine of Vinny Duber's services in just a couple of minutes. Don't go anywhere. More White Sox talk here on White Sox Weekly. This is the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. White Sox and Orioles will play two this afternoon at Guaranteed Rate Field. 
Weather did not cooperate last night, but baseball will be made to cooperate this afternoon. Two seven-inning ball games. And a reminder before we get to our guest here on White Sox Weekly that you can join us on June 4th and June 5th as the Sox take on the Detroit Tigers. The first 10,000 fans at each game will take home a White Sox Hawaiian shirt. It's presented by Beggar's Pizza. Single game tickets are on sale now. Get yours at WhiteSox.com. We're going to get ours with Vinny Duber of NBC Sports Chicago. He covers the White Sox and does it darn well. He is the star of the White Sox Talk podcast that NBC Sports Chicago puts out, and he is our guest. Vinny, good to talk to you, my man. Connor, how are you, man? It's good to talk to you, too. Pleasure. So, we're looking at the White Sox, and I, I think there's really no better place to start the conversation than right around the leadoff man, Tim Anderson, who's going to play in the Game 1 of the doubleheader, and I assume in Game 2, though we don't have lineups yet. Three days off for Tim. That comes, I think, at a good time for him. He had been in a, just a little bit of a cool streak and a little bit banged up as well. He's the straw that stirs this drink in the lineup. Obviously, a, a good thing that Tim's got the extra day here to get himself back and ready to roll. Absolutely. A little silver lining for Tim Anderson with uh, you know the game being washed away last night as he gets an extra day to rest whatever it was that was bothering him. I think Tony La Russa called it you know, just kind of the normal soreness of a baseball season. Uh, and certainly Tim Anderson is out there on a daily basis making plays in the on the infield and you know leading off getting more at bats than anybody on the team so uh he's going to you know see his body get put through the ringer a little bit i think he commented that his thumb has been a little sore too so uh yeah it's never a bad thing to have an extra day off especially in a stretch of games like the one the white Sox have right now yeah, it is. It's a long run for them. A whole bunch, uh, especially with these double headers, that crams things up. I was thinking about Tim from this perspective too. You know, you look at the slash line right now, Vinny, and it's you know two eighty seven, three twenty one, four twenty, and I think you could reasonably say, sure, one good Tim Anderson week gets him back to you know over three hundred and maybe three thirty, and you know who knows what that slugging does. Who knows what the weather does to that slugging too? But the defense he's played has provided so much more, I think, maybe than maybe than any other season for Tim. He's playing remarkable defensively, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of part of the story with him, right, is all those errors, and I think he's almost kind of accepted that those are going to happen, but the improvement is there, obviously. I think if you watch him on a daily basis, you, you're noticing a much improved defensive player and maybe a guy who's not make, not trying to make you know the throws that would sometimes get away from Jose Abreu over at first base as often as he has in the past. The thing we've always heard about Tim, which I think is very true that you can see watching him, is some of the reason that those errors have been there is because he's making plays and trying to make plays that literally no other shortstop can make because they're not as athletic as he is. And and the athleticism that he brings, the range that he has at shortstop, allows him to get to balls and try to make some plays that, if you had another player play in there, they'd just be base hits into the outfield. So, you know, there, that that error total that he's had in years past has not always told the entire story. And certainly you're right that he is playing some terrific defense to go along with what at the moment might not be, but I think everybody knows and expects to be by the end of the season, the tremendous offense that he always provides. Speaking of offense, let's go league-wide for a moment, Vinny. I wonder how you're looking at – the environment that we're in, the strikeouts we're seeing, the ball we're playing with right now. Have you, you know, as a baseball guy, as a, as a guy who covers the sport, have you concerned yourself with the overall, you know, kind of 
10,000-foot view of this game yet, or are, are you waiting to really get into what that looks like until later, a little later on in the season we've got a little bit more baseball, and, and maybe everybody gets healthier too, I don't know. Yeah, I think you've got a couple things you know working against it right now, which is which you just alluded to, certainly the weather is one of them. You know, you don't usually see those numbers start to jump up for a lot of guys until, you know, it starts getting warm outside. Uh, And then the other thing is they're playing after that 60-game season last year, and I think everybody is still trying to figure out how to get back to normal in terms of their bodies, in terms of their routines, in terms of, you know, where they should be on May 29th of a regular baseball season when they did not have that luxury last year. But at the same time, too, this is just kind of baseball now. I think uh, I think a lot of people who've been watching the sport for a long time uh, are, you know, using the word you used, which is concern. You know what I mean? What's going on? What's going on? Well, this just might be baseball. You know, guys, strikeouts, uh, guys are trying to hit home runs. Guys aren't trying to hit line drives so much anymore. Launch angle is a thing. Exit velocity is a thing. And I think that those guys are okay with striking out a whole ton of times if it means they get a hold of one and send it 400 feet every once in a while so um that i think you couple that with pitchers being as good as they are we've seen all the no hitters so far this season and i think you've just got a different kind of baseball which again it'll change back right i mean that game's been around for over 100 years that's what happens these things go in cycles and right now we're in a cycle that looks like this Talking with Vinny Duber, NBC Sports Chicago, covers the White Sox. You can follow him on Twitter as well. He's at Vinny Duber on Twitter, uh, aptly named. Oh, you got the name on Twitter too, Vinny. That's that's real estate, dude. Real estate with a blue check mark and the name. You're all set. You know, I'm making it easy for people. I don't. I don't need. You know, I don't need to throw in a lot of numbers or references or anything. Just make it easy for people to find me. Makes sense to me. I was a late adapter to Twitter, so that's why I have all the numbers in the thing. <laughs> hey, I was. You know, where do you like philosophically, Vinny? Where do you come down? Are you a rules change guy? Does Does the league need to do something to force whether it be pitchers or hitters? You know, kind of a a, a blank canvas for you here. Will this cycle back on its own? Would you rather see a rule, two rules thrown in to help facilitate a return to a particular brand of baseball? Uh, I think we're going to get a little bit of both, to be quite honest with you. I, I do think it's cyclical, and I do think that, I mean, when it boils down to it, baseball is pitcher versus hitter, one of them trying to figure out what the other one's doing, one of them trying to anticipate, one of them trying to trick the other one. That's what it is, and the more that the pitchers are going to start racking up strikeouts by, you know, taking advantage of the launch angle and the approaches of most of these hitters, the hitters are going to change. And you're going to see guys like Nick Madrigal who can blast the ball or, you know, poke the ball all over the field. And that really kind of defeats what the pitcher is trying to do to beat these launch angle guys. So I do think it's cyclical. That being said, we're getting rule changes. And I think that you're going to see stuff like, you know, the, the limits on uh, pickoff attempts or the, the, uh, the, slightly larger bases to try to encourage more stolen bases. I mean, I think you're, the whole point, I think, is that people want to see a little bit more action. And so there's nothing wrong with that because that's, that's fun. That's what makes it fun. Obviously, the players are then going to take those rule changes and take advantage of those to try and dominate their opposition the best they can. But I don't think, you know, there are certain rule changes that have, you know, rubbed people the wrong way. You know, myself included, I'm not a big fan of the extra inning rule with the runner on second base. But you also can't deny that it creates more action right off the bat. There's a runner in scoring position, and it ups the drama right away. So I think there are people um, who miss a certain kind of baseball, longtime baseball fans who miss seeing a little bit more action in the game. And I think that there are 
fans that have yet to be won over who would benefit, who, who baseball would benefit from having a little bit more action in the game to appeal to those people as well. I agree with you. I'm glad we're talking about action in the game. I think that's where the, the location is here for the debate. Well, I shouldn't say for the debate, but for the conversation. Just for me personally, I'm a move the mound back guy. And I realize that that's like super radical, right? With whichever side of the spectrum you want to put me on, I'm, I'm pretty far to one end when it comes to that. And I kind of get that, you know, that means that you've got to go to every field where kids start throwing at 60 feet, 6 inches and move everyone, every mound back a foot or whatever they decide to do. So in lieu of that, I've become a really big pitch clock guy, like a, a fairly strictly in front. And we've got it in the minors like a strictly enforced pitch clock kind of thing. I know that would affect guys, and you've got to go through your whole season or so of change and whatnot, but I'm a fan, and I wonder if you're, if you're thinking pitch clock as well. Sure, why not? I, I'm not sure I have a, a, as strong an opinion as some do on it, but I'll definitely say this. When you're sitting there at the ballpark and you know it's the eighth inning and they've already been playing for three and a half hours, uh, I think pitch clock certainly can can benefit the game. I mean, listen, there are a lot of folks out there who would gladly sit down and watch a baseball game, but don't have four hours to dedicate to doing it. So to shorten things up is not to, in my, in my opinion, is not some, you know, horrible change to the game. It's, it's trying to bring the game a little forward into, into modern times when people, you know, have busy lives and they, you, you, you want to, uh, you're competing for your entertainment dollar uh, at every turn, it seems like, and you, you want to keep people engaged. So more action, more hit, you know, more hits, more, uh, you know, quicker pace. I think that only benefits the game, and, and I don't think that it is going to make it not baseball, uh, as some people are, are concerned that it might. So we have seen a, a different-looking White Sox lineup the last couple of nights, and I know this has been a hot topic on the uh, White Sox Talk podcast on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, there are, I think, three different camps on that podcast, which I catch as often as I can. You know, I, I, I don't listen to my own podcast because that would be weird, so I check out other people's and stuff and encourage people <laughs> to listen to the White Sox weekly podcast, of course. But, yes, Monty Grandal hitting in the two-spot has been – Real interesting to me. I like the high on base and the power potential in the second spot of the White Sox lineup. Wonder where you come down on that. Obviously, knowing that there are, you know, there are a lot of versions of this White Sox lineup. There's the one that is healthy. There's the one that's healthy but without Aloy and without Luis Robert. And then there's the one that has to be patched together a little bit because guys like Tim or Adam Eaton are in and out of the lineup. I wonder where you come down on the two spot for the White Sox. Yeah, I think seeing Grandal there is very interesting, to be honest with you. I also think you have to give Yasmani great credit and simultaneously uh, value what he's done from the walks perspective. I mean, this is a team for so long that didn't walk at all, uh, and now you bring in a guy like Yasmani Grandal who is just walking constantly, and it, it comes down to base runners. Now, the problem is Yasmani Grandal is still getting over that knee issue that was bugging him in spring training. Not, a, not exactly a speed guy out there on the base pads, and if you've got you know, Yohan Moncada or Jose Abreu poking a ball in the gap, Yasmani Grandal might not be scoring from first base. So uh, it, it's certainly a, a, you know, a tug of war between what's going to play in every specific situation. What Tony LaRusso wants to do, I can tell you, is have a little pop in that second spot. He wants some damage to be able to be done out of the second spot, and Yasmani Grandal can do that. That being said, right now he's doing it more so with the occasional home run 
and a boatload of walks rather than, you know, hitting doubles off the wall or something like that. So ideally, as you mentioned, this lineup would have Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert in it, and you might be seeing an awful lot of Luis Robert in the two-hole, um, but it doesn't right now. And so Tony's got to try out some different stuff to try to find what works best on a consistent basis. Vinny, you've covered this team for a while, covered the league for a good run. I, I wonder when and how you start the process of checking in on what teams are checking in on as we approach the trade deadline. Like from a, when do you start making your calls? When do you start shooting off the the texts uh, here and there about what things look like and who you're talking to and what scouts you're seeing at what ballparks around the minor leagues? Well, I think Rick Hahn made a very good point the day Louise Robert went down, which was way back at the beginning of this month, and it was, you know, impact players aren't often moved at this point in the calendar. Uh, I think White Sox fans saw Aloy go down at the end of spring training. They saw Luis go down at the beginning of May, and they said, all right, tomorrow there better be a trade to get to get a new face in here. Uh, and I don't think in early May, it, it, or specific, or particularly in late March, um, it was easy to do that. But now you've got teams who have gotten off to starts that are so bad that it might, you know, disqualify them from, from reaching the playoffs. They might be teams that were uh, not necessarily uh, pegged to make the playoffs in the first place, and they're just living down to their expectations, I suppose. But uh, there are teams out there with outfielders that the White Sox could benefit from, no doubt about it. There's one in town this weekend. Uh, there's a guy in Trey Mancini who's hit a lot of home runs uh, and is having a nice season and, and could be an option along with many other people out there who are being speculated about. But I do think that as good as the White Sox have done at keeping their hopes afloat while their two big guys have been hurt, you're going to have to you know, come to a point here where there's going to have to be some, some addition made to this lineup. Whether that's from a guy who's tearing it up in the minor leagues, who knows? You know, Gavin Sheets has been doing a really good job so far to the start of his season at AAA Charlotte. Uh, but I think somebody with some major league experience uh, is probably what you want to rely on when you're trying to win the World Series. Do you think, Vinny, that the uh, the conversation, whether it be long-term or, or medium-term, I, I guess I should say short-term or medium-term, because long-term for Michael Kopech is, you know, he'll, he'll be in a rotation come 2022. I think that's still the likelihood here. So short-term or medium-term, has what happened to him in his last uh, bullpen outing changed what the White Sox are willing or, or are capable of doing with him in this season? Um, I think if it does, it would be very short-term based on the injury, right? If, if, if he's hurt, we, we haven't heard a very specific update yet. We're expecting that any day now. Uh, obviously, Michael's on the bereavement list uh, for the last couple of days, so we're, we're expecting a more detailed injury update, and perhaps it's nothing more than what we've already heard, which is day-to-day you know, with kind of a sore hamstring. So um, I don't think from a strategy chain standpoint it's going to change much of anything. I think they've been very committed with what they're doing with Michael Kopech. And, boy, it has worked perfectly. I mean, to be able to use him out of the bullpen for a couple innings at a time, he has been extremely effective in that role. And then throwing him in as a spot starter on all these doubleheaders they got, and I bet they, they wish they had him today to be able to do that, or, or Monday, rather. Uh, but Tony, Tony told us yesterday that he that Michael won't pitch, or won't start, rather, the uh, in the, on the doubleheader in Cleveland on Monday. So, um I think toward the end of the year, again, we're only a third of the way through the regular season. A lot can change, and maybe one of the starting pitchers that the White Sox have who have been tremendously dominant so far through the season 
uh, maybe that changes uh, due, that, due to health or underperformance or whatever, and they need to turn to an alternative solution. Maybe that is Michael Kopech. We'll see. But right now, I think they like him as, as the guy that they've been using him as. And really, it's very easy to see Tony using him like this come October when he can stick him out there for a couple innings at a time uh, in a playoff series that the White Sox need to win. Vinny, appreciate the time, my man. Great catching up. Appreciate the conversation and keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Connor. Good talking to you. Oh, wait, Vinny, what's the pregame spin today? I think you're going to have to uh, check out Twitter to find out, but uh, a lot of good options. Uh, you know, like I said, we're only um, two months into the season, so a lot left to go on the uh, on the old record shelf. Oh, man, that's what we call in the radio biz a tease. Top-notch, well done, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Vinny Duber, NBC Sports Chicago. You can check him out on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He does a kind of cool – no, it, it's pretty cool. He picks an album before, uh, before the game, does Vinny's pregame spin. I've liked some – some I haven't heard of before. It's been a blast. Go follow him. He is one darn good White Sox reporter. I, you know, a couple of things he brought up and we brought up in the conversation I want to get to later on down the line. Uh, talked a little bit earlier today about an underrated White Sox player. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number if you think somebody's been underrated so far this season. I've got a guy that's made a bounce back, that's made a big difference for this team over the last 20 or so games. It's a name you know, it's a name you love, but you might not have been thinking of him as a bounce back type guy. We'll tell you who that is when we come back. We'll hear from uh, some minor league reports as well. Don't go anywhere. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Your chance to talk White Sox on White Sox Weekly when we come back. I'm Connor McKnight, and this is is the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. White Sox and Orioles will play a pair today here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Doubleheader after last night's ball game was rained out. We'll start at 110 with the first one, play seven innings, and our second ball game will start something like 30 minutes, 45 minutes after the first one concludes. Wanted to give a little bit of a minor league report uh, here during this portion of the show, not only because Adam Engel is doing some rehab work with the AAA Charlotte Knights, but because there are a couple other hitters. Uh, that have been impressive in their performance to start the year. Now, Charlotte hasn't, well, A really hasn't played all that many ball games quite yet. I believe the uh, the Knights are 8-14, and 14, so what is that, 20? I shouldn't do math on the air, Connor. That's a rule here on White's 22 games into the season. Um, but just enough to start kind of you know taking a look at where guys are at and how swings are going, enough where you go, oh, all right, this might start to be a thing here. Remember, too, that the AAA season schedule is real different this year than it has been in years past. In order to try and combat travel issues um, as as it regards uh, COVID-19, teams are spending a week playing one other team. So, like, for instance, uh, the Knights started their season on the 4th of May. They played Gwinnett for the whole week, Tuesday through Sunday. Uh, all of AAA has Mondays off this year. So then the Knights took Monday off, and then they played Norfolk at home for an entire series. Then they took Monday off and played Durham in Durham for an entire series. You can see how that you know kind of restricts some travel and allows a little bit better um, 
your control, I guess, is the word that comes to mind. And I, I, I guess that's what it is. We are still dealing uh, with the results and effects of, of a pandemic. And at that point in the season, I don't think um, every AAA member had been had had the chance to get vaccinated yet. Anyway, a week in Norfolk again for the AAA Charlotte Knights. Adam Engel started his rehab assignment on Tuesday. The Knights lost three in a row, then won last night 17-5. to Engel has played in three games. He DH'd in his first and hit a home run, played a little center field in the second, hit a double, had the night off in the third, and then more center field in game four of that week, game three of his rehab situation. Um, had an RBI double. It's looked good for him so far. He talked with reporters yesterday. If, if you hear some background noise, it's because Engel uh, was nice enough to sit down in the dugout in Norfolk and just kind of do a Zoom with uh, White Sox reporters. Uh, I, I happened to be on the call. It was it was nice of him to sit down and do it and update things. He was asked at first, just how is the rehab thing going? How's it feeling all down there, Adam? It's treated me well, man. Been good weather. It's been nice and hot, so it's great. Great, uh, great place to get my hammy going. Warmer than here. It's forty-five degrees here right now. Anyways, I mean, how is yours? You know, swing felt. Have you just felt you've been in the field a little bit? I guess just a general question. How's you know the the rehab felt in the first couple efforts out there? It's been pretty good. Um, I've been able to to get a decent amount of at bats. Uh, the schedule that they, they've got me on is. Um, you know, it's giving me opportunities to, to get as many at-bats as I can. Um, the guys down here have been awesome. You know, the, the arms that we're facing in Norfolk are very quality arms. So it's been good to, to get back out and see some uh, some live pitching and, you know, get into just game-like situations. So it's nice to get a little adrenaline pumping. It's been a while since I've felt, you know, the adrenaline while I'm participating. You know, I've felt some adrenaline in watching the games in Chicago, but it's nice to get, you know, a little bit of a, a pulse and then uh, go out and try and perform. Engel talked more with reporters. He was asked just kind of what he's, you know, because obviously the results aren't there, right? Nobody, no guy is going down to AAA after a long rehab stint for a hamstring and just thinking, all right, I need to park about six or seven in a row and then I'll be right back up to the bigs. It obviously doesn't work that way. So Adam was asked what he is trying to get out of his at-bats, his time in center field, um, and his time at AAA. Here's more from Adam Engel. I think it's more timing at this point. Um, you know, it's been good. I, I feel like every at-bat I'm getting a little bit closer to where I feel, you know, very, very competitive. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm able to compete, I think. You know, if I were to, to get the call tonight, like, hey, you're going back to Chicago, I think I'd be ready to, to contribute. Um, I'm not in midseason form yet by any means offensively, but, uh, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm in a pretty good spot. Um, I'm just going to keep getting better. So um, things are going well on that end. And, yeah, as far as health goes, you know, they're just monitoring my, my workload, um, you know, just as much for my hammy as for the rest of my body. You know, it's not just what can my hamstring handle. I haven't, you know, played baseball and haven't been able to get too active for the last two months or so. So just working my body into it, getting back into to the, to the swing of things. So everything's been good. Hey, when Tony was talking about that timing and stuff, he, he said that, you know, it might take a while. You know, you didn't have as much spring training as everybody else. You know, are you feeling like that's something, whether it's down in Charlotte or at the big league level, that's going to take you a while to get just because of the amount of time off you have and the, the limited amount of games you play? 
Um, I don't know if it's going to take me a real long time. Um, one of the, I guess, advantages to having spent a lot of time in the bench role is, um, you know, I, I've had a lot of experience with not necessarily getting a lot of at-bats and, and trying to compete. So that's kind of what my whole swing, my whole setup, my rhythm, and all that is based around um, that situation. So coming into – you know, at bats now where I haven't, you know, I hadn't had any timing for the last two months. Like, obviously, you're not going to jump in right away and feel like your best. I don't think that's possible at this level. But, um, you know, I'm not like a huge leg kick guy or I don't have a really big move to get ready to hit. So um, now it's more of being able to see the ball and trusting my eyes, not getting too jumpy, you know, slowing my heart rate down during at bats. So um, I don't think it's going to take a real long time to get to get into that um you know place where guys are at now um hopefully shorter than than the average the average player um just because like i said i don't have a, a really big move to to get ready to hit so that's white Sox outfitter adam engel whose rehab work in charlotte has gone real well so far uh they'll play the norfolk tide again tonight no lineups posted yet but engel did play in a 17 to 5 win over the tides last night he was lifted in that ball game but that's kind of been the plan i, I don't think there's anything um, going on there uh, but he, he played center field and was lifted the first time after a couple innings i think that's kind of the idea is get him in get him comfortable a handful of at bats and pull him back out to make sure that he can bounce back and play the next game i'm sure he'll play a handful of you know full 9 inning scheduled games in a row before he gets up to the bigs. And, and there really is no timetable yet where Tony La Russa has kind of talked about this at length that you don't want to put expectations on the young man, right? I mean, it's obvious the White Sox could use an extra outfielder. Now, that that's not saying Billy Hamilton, Leary Garcia, Andrew Vaughn, Danny Mendick, uh, who am I missing here? Jake Lamb, who's been in the outfield. It's not that those guys haven't performed and had their good moments. It's that you know, they're, you're pressing a handful of infielders into the outfield, and even though they've stood up and made some great plays defensively, I'm thinking of Vaughn specifically, and Mendick too, actually, here or there, that doesn't mean you couldn't use Adam Engel, who's proven himself to be a, a capable, well, elite outfielder when healthy, and it sounds like he's, he's able to run and move um, at, the, uh, at the top percentile of his ability might cost him a little bit in terms of uh, pain. It might just hurt to do that every now and again for him uh, when he gets back up to the bigs, or I guess as he's down to the minors, it hurts there too. But he can help you, you know, win some ball games. He showed last season that he figured something out when it comes to hitting right-handed pitching. You know, Adam as a right-hander had struggled uh, quite a bit in his first handful of years in, in hitting right-handers. Last season, not so much. <laughs> he looked real good. Um, hitting against both sides, lefties and righties, and that was a big deal for the White Sox in the 2020 season. As for 2021, you know, I think he'll be worked in slowly. I think he'll play a lot of center field. That's what Tony La Russa has said. And I, I think it might be, you know, a, a, another handful of games at AAA before you're looking at the possibility of Adam Engel coming up and helping the big league squad just because you want to be sure. Uh, the the worst thing would be you know having him come up prematurely and I don't think the White Sox would do this they're they're very uh, cognizant uh, of this issue you know bringing a guy up pushing him a little bit sending him back down that kind of thing that just it just resets timetables and cycles and stuff and maybe most importantly 
that wouldn't allow you to get a good run of time with as healthy a club as you can before figuring it out, you know, figuring out what this deadline needs to look like for you. I mean, every contender needs to add something or, or looks to add something at the trade deadline. And we're going to start June here real soon. That's when some of these conversations begin. The minor leagues, the AAA at least, getting to uh, around that 30-game mark by the end of next week. So that's going to matter a whole bit. Uh, more from the minors. There's a hitter down there that's really impressed some, and Tony LaRusso spoke a lot about him in spring training, so worth checking up there. And as I mentioned earlier, it's been a White Sox hitter that's been on the rebound lately, and you might not have thought of him as a rebound kind of guy, given who he is. A little bit of tease for you, but we'll talk about that player when we come back here on White Sox Weekly. Your calls as well, 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. This is the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. Listen to that 290-horsepower iVTEC V6 engine. That's a double wishbone front suspension. Nah, that's not our supercar. That's the all-new three-row Acura MDX. It's only natural to confuse the fully redesigned MDX with the NSX because they share more in common than you think. It's a premium three-row SUV with supercar DNA. Acura. Let's talk. More drive. Visit your Chicagoland Acura dealer today to learn more about the all-new Acura MDX. The 2021 Acura TLX will take your breath away. Yes, the new TLX styling is aggressive. Enough power to rival any adversary. It has a standard IVTEC turbo engine. And enough features to make you the hero. Just tell them the truth. The 2021 Acura TLX is the best sedan we've ever created. See it at your local Acura dealer. Acura. Let's talk. More drive. Visit your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Acura dealer today to learn more about the all-new Acura TLX. Two Mount Vernon women are dead, killed in a fatal crash on I-64. Illinois State Police report early Thursday morning. Driving under the influence has claimed yet another life. Impaired driving is responsible for an average of over 300 deaths a year on Illinois roadways. Authorities say that driver drove into the median and struck a tree. He is facing charges of driving under the influence and improper lane usage. Illinois State Police say alcohol did play a factor in that crash. Drivers can learn more at lifeordeathillinois.com. One event, one place, nothing bigger, nothing better. Memorial Day savings now at Rizza Cadillac and Rizza Buick GMC in Tinley Park. Every model, special savings, every used vehicle on sale. So whether you want thousands off MSRP or the lowest lease rate we've ever offered, it's worth the ride. Come see why. You'll save when you trade up to a new Cadillac, Buick, or GMC now through Memorial Day Monday. Hurry in, trade up for less. Rizza Cadillac, Buick, and GMC on 159th Street in Tinley Park. Shop RizzaCadillac.com or RizzaBuickGMC.com now. You got White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000, White Sox Network. A lot of White Sox for you today. They're going to play at least 14 innings of baseball against the Baltimore Orioles. It's a doubleheader at Guaranteed Rate Field. It'll be Dallas Keuchel and Matt Harvey, the two starters in Game 1 of today's doubleheader. And then for Game 2, it'll be John Means for the Baltimore Orioles, who has been well, mean against other hitters that he's faced. He threw the no-hitter, holds a 179 ERA. He has really turned his performance around this season, has John Means, uh, against Lance Lynn, who is darn good in his own right, a 151 ERA. That's you know two points lower than John Means. Lynn's been fantastic since coming over to the White Sox in an offseason trade from the Texas Rangers 
last offseason. A, a trade that means a lot, too. A trade that uh, is a win-now kind of move and has produced uh, five wins for the White Sox. Well, five wins on Lance Lynn's record, if you like the whole pitcher-win thing. Um, a little more from the minors. We, we just got done talking a little bit about Adam Engel, his rehab work at AAA Charlotte, the timetable for him. You heard from Adam Engel just a little bit. If you're tuning in here just now on White Sox Weekly, you can always check out the podcast of the show in case you missed a little bit of that Adam Engel conversation and are wondering, hey, when is this guy, this is real good outfielder, going to be back for the White Sox and maybe contribute a little bit to the big league club after a hamstring injury and a setback? You could go to the ESPN Chicago app and download each and every White Sox Weekly Show. Uh, I would love if you do it. Of course, Fred Hubner and Jeff Meller have done a great job filling in on White Sox Weekly the last couple of weeks when uh, when I've been filling in for Len on the broadcast. So you can jo- go check out all those shows at uh, the ESPN Chicago app. Just download it. It works. It's an awesome app. You can also, not for nothing, but if you're in the metro area here in Chicago, you can use the ESPN Chicago app to listen to White Sox broadcasts for free. Yeah, free. You just you know you download the app, and if you're in the Chicago metro area, you listen to the game on your smartphone or what other device that you've downloaded the app onto. That's how technology works. I don't have to explain that to you anymore. Uh, we have the perfect space for you and your group. Learn more about our private party areas here at Guaranteed Rate Field and start planning your outing to the ballpark. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or just visit whitesocks.com. Uh, mentioned just a little bit more on the minors, and then we'll head back to the major leagues I, I would imagine that if you're sitting here listening to White Sox Weekly, or if you're listening on the podcast a couple of days after this, you're probably aware of Gavin Sheets, right? Second-round pick in 2017. Berger went first for the White Sox, 10th overall, if memory serves. And then Sheets was that uh, sandwich-round pick, the compensatory pick. Gavin Sheets was drafted as a first baseman. Big dude, right? Son of Larry Sheets. He's a son of a big leaguer. Um he has added outfield into his mix. He dropped something like 30 or 40 pounds in the offseason. Oh, no, I, sorry, Jake Berger dropped 30 or 40. Uh, Sheets only dropped 20 pounds. Yeah, just, just a 20-pound droppage in the offseason. Added a lot of athleticism, hoped to keep a lot of the strength that made him such a draftable and projectable hitter in that 2017 draft. And results so far have been really good for Sheets. And I mention this only because... You know, we're getting to that point of the season where, okay, some roster moves may happen. Nobody goes through the whole season with a full 26. I don't think there's a team in baseball that hasn't made several IL moves already this year. That's just kind of been the, the nature of the beast to get this season going. Um, but I start looking for, you know, guys who I think are, are going to play some big league ball this year. And whether that's for the White Sox or whether that's, you know, prospects have to be uh, using trades to go acquire things for contenders at times. I think Gavin Sheets is a guy that's going to play some big league ball this year. So far, and yes, it's 82 at bats, and you know nobody is anything that it's not a true, real measure of of performance in 82 at bats. But results have been good so far, and those are the all the at bats we have since the 2019 minor league season, what with the alt site being the only opportunity for guys to play outside of MLB last year, Gavin Sheets is hitting 329, on base of 375, slugging 524. 
He's 27 for 82. He's got four long balls. He's striven in 18. Here's what's interesting to me, too. 19 strikeouts, six walks. That's not terrible. A lot of strikeouts in this game right now. You keep that ratio right about there. That's that's a workable, very workable thing, I think, my opinion. Uh, and he seems to be, by all reports, playing a pretty decent outfield lately. Uh, good on you, Gavin Sheets. Keep it up. Uh, and, and, and two... You know, the, the offensive environments in AAA, specifically, you know, talking about Charlotte and then going to some other places in that league, it's it's harder to hit once you get away from the ballpark in Charlotte, which is gorgeous, by the way. My God, I go follow the Charlotte Knights on Twitter, if nothing else, for the ballpark picks that they throw up there. It is pure baseball joy. They got a great backdrop to this to the city uh, looking out from home plate in that ballpark there, too. Um, Tommy Viola and his crew do an awesome job of just kind of having that park ready to roll and providing as close to a major league experience as you could possibly find anywhere in minor league baseball. Anyway, that's just that's just a love affair I have with the ballpark in Charlotte. Either way, it's it's a bit of a it's a hitter's environment in Charlotte. So you go elsewhere and it gets a little tougher to hit. You're you know dealing with um, elevation levels that make it difficult to park one something like that. And Sheets had struggled on the road just a little bit, but these are remember too. These are week-long road trips that AAA is on. So getting into that swing of back and forth and here and there, that's a little bit different. You're facing the same team. Anyway, he's hit a little better on the road in this trip uh, than he had in the first two for the Charlotte Knights. Uh, Just finishing out, rounding out the minor league look, if you will. Jake Berger uh, had been hitting for power and only power over the first two weeks. Uh, A couple of home runs and not much else. He's brought up most of the rest of the stats. I just, you know, White Sox fans are, I think, well and truly familiar with Jake Berger and his story, having missed almost four years due to a pair of Achilles injuries. I've had the chance to talk to him a couple times. He is a just a delightful human being. A lot of fun to talk to about baseball or whatever. Smile on his face. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that got said about Berger when he had those, you know, two injuries was... And I, this was meant in a, in a very complimentary way, but a number of people from the White Sox kind of said, if this had to happen to somebody, and, and God knows nobody wanted it to happen to anyone, but if it had to, Berger's a guy that can you know, at least grin through it. He's got that kind of attitude, that kind of personality, and that kind of work ethic to go do the rehab and do the work and reshape the body. You know, bigger dude, heftier guy. Um, take some of that weight off so that the Achilles can support the body and, and still keep his swing together. 282, 338, 620, the slash line for Berger so far in AAA. That's average on base and slugging percentage. He has six home runs and 71 at-bats. I hope, I really hope that he gets a taste of the bigs this year, maybe a cup of coffee kind of thing later on in the season at the very least. He is uh, just a, a real easy guy to root for, especially when the production is shaped like it has been so far this season. Good on you. Jake Berger. Step aside to a break here real quick. Uh, and when we come back, been teasing this for a while, the White Sox offense has gotten a bounce-back performance from one guy that matters a ton to this ball club. But you may not be thinking of him as a bounce-back kind of guy. I'll tell you who it is, what he's meant to the club so far this year when we come back. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number as well. Here on White Sox Weekly, would love to talk a little Sox with you. You got anything on your mind concerning your first place Chicago White Sox? This is the show to do it. Also, 
A reminder that you can join us on June 9th and 10th as the White Sox take on the Toronto Blue Jays. That'll be a fun matchup. The first 10,000 fans at each game will receive a White Sox tote bag presented by the MLB Network. Single-game tickets are on sale now. Get yours at WhiteSox.com. More to do here on White Sox Weekly. We'll kick it back up when we come back. I'm Connor McKnight, and this is the ESPN 1000 White Sox. Better way to bank with Marquette Bank. Get help with roadside assistance up to four times a year. Plus, access to discounts for shopping, restaurants, and more with Marquette Bank's Fun Rewards app. Learn more at emarquettebank.com backslash fun rewards. Marquette Bank, member FDIC. Certain restrictions apply. No matter where you live, you're somebody's neighbor. And here, that means we help each other. We show up and help light the way when things get tough. And now for some of us, things are tougher than ever. That's why ComEd is providing financial assistance to those who need help with their energy bill. Call 800-EDISON-1 or visit ComEd.com support to find out more. Because together, we can power through anything. ComEd. Powering lives. Nissan believes you deserve a car that thrills you. So we have to ask, does your car thrill you? When you hit the pedal, do you get something back? A chill in your spine, goosebumps on your goosebumps. When you take off, do your fingers tighten around the steering wheel? Does your heart beat in your stomach and your breath catch in your chest? Does driving make you feel alive? Because it should. And if your car doesn't thrill you, ours will. This is the new Nissan. Back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight, live from Guaranteed Rate Field. And I got to tell you, it looks like a gorgeous day for two here at the ballpark. Sun shining all over the place. Fans are in the park right now. Light jackets, hoodies, like that's the most you need out here today. This looks like it's going to be a really fantastic day for baseball. Here's hoping the results go the White Sox way. It'll be Dallas Keuchel and Matt Harvey in Game 1 of this seven-inning pace doubleheader, and it will be Lance Lynn and John Means, one of the best pitchers in the American League, John Means for the Orioles, uh, against one of the other best pitchers in the American League. You're looking at ERA in Lance Lynn. So some tough tasks in that second game for the White Sox offense. Rick Hahn was on Jesse Rogers' podcast. Well, Jesse Rogers was on the Baseball Tonight podcast, and Jesse got Rick Hahn on the show. I want to play you a little bit of that. Uh, real quickly, though, we're going to pause it 10 seconds for station identification. So Jesse Rogers, who actually we had on the pregame show just a, a couple of nights ago, does some great work nationally and here locally, of course, on ESPN 1000, our flagship here on the network, covering baseball, both sides of town and really all teams in the league. Uh, but while he was uh, part of the Baseball Tonight podcast, he had White Sox general manager Rick Hahn on, this, on the show. Uh, this was uh, just a day or two ago, and Overall, well, I guess a good place to start is kind of the overall impressions of having a first-place team in the American League Central. I think it speaks not only to uh, the job Tony has done, but also our coaches, and then certainly, and perhaps most importantly, that clubhouse. Uh, as 
you know, you alluded to, we've had some, uh, much like a lot of other teams, we've had some pretty significant injuries with losing Aloy Jimenez and, and Luis Robert for an extended period of time, as, as well as having to put uh, TA on the IL at one point and a handful of other injuries over the course of the first couple of months. And the way that clubhouse has rallied, uh, that players have stepped up and filled that void, uh, as we've asked them to change their roles, for example, with Andrew Vaughn going out to left field to replace Aloy, uh, and some of our players that were projected to be more complementary players playing a larger role on almost an everyday basis. It, it's been it's been very impressive, uh, and, and I think all of us with the club are, are certainly uh, pleased with where we sit right now, all things considered, and, and think it's a tremendous testament to the strength of that clubhouse and, and the players in it. It's White Sox general manager Rick Hahn, and actually, you know, we we touched a little bit on that to start the show. Uh, one of the things we we kind of been talking about was okay, who's a who's an underrated player on this White Sox ball club? And my contention would be that because, like Rick said, every one of these guys that has has had to step up into a spotlight more or less. I mean, you could think of maybe two or three guys that haven't you know quite literally had a spotlight on them yet, but. Uh, there's really nobody on this team that's underrated because everyone has been asked to be a guy at some point. I mean, that's just, you look around baseball and you see the difference between a team like the White Sox, who lost Eloy Jimenez and lost Luis Robert and have still put together a run differential. And, you know, the reason I bring that up is that that's one of those stats that really seems to bear out over the course of a season, even early on. You know, that that tends to stabilize fairly quickly. M- many stats in baseball don't. That tends to stabilize pretty quickly. The White Sox run differential has been the best in baseball for a good long time. It's now still in that top five, even with uh, a couple of you know, two shutouts, or the White Sox having been shut out twice in the last week and a half. That matters to me. That's That matters quite a bit. Um, so when you look at the overall performance of this team and guys having had to step up, you can see it. You look at a, a team that doesn't have that borne out, and you don't have to go very far, right? It's the Minnesota Twins, who in my mind are kind of like, a, I don't know if you guys are Indiana Jones fans very much, but in the first one, right, when Indy is, he's lost Marion, and he's, 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 he's really, he's, he's upset, he's not sure if he wants to go on and even find the Ark anymore, he's in the bar, right, and then Belloc comes in. And Belloc says to Indy, you, you're just a shadowy reflection. You know, it would take just a push, and you would become just like me, this evil archaeologist searching for things and taking them from people and not at all uh, respecting the process as Indy does. I, I kind of see it. I know that's all ridiculous. But I kind of see that with, with the White Sox and Twins, right? The, the Twins, and yes, Miguel Sano has come on to hit a lot in the last week or so. The, the White Sox kind of saw him get hot, but for the first two months of the season, six weeks of the season at the very least, he just kind of wasn't there. To me, given Sano's potential, I don't know it's not apples to apples, but taking Sano off the Twins, which essentially they did for the first six weeks, is a, a kind of akin to Aloy Jimenez not being there for the White Sox. And you lose Byron Buxton, who was playing at an MVP level at center field with all the defense he gives, I mean, that is an apples-to-apples comparison, I think. Sure, he'd been in the league a little longer and playing a little bit better, producing a little bit more than Luis Robert, but in terms of what they mean to that lineup, it's really close. You look at where the Twins have gone with those two things not going well for them. You look at where the White Sox have gone, despite those two things not going for them. And you can see how much it matters to pitch, A, number one, 
as well as the White Sox have, to have a lineup that has depth, that has uh, defined roles in a lot of places for guys where they can succeed, and as, as Rick just mentioned there, to have guys step into completely brand new roles like Andrew Vaughn going out to left or your mean Mercedes just you know being asked to hit like a monster at the big league level for his first time in his career, you, you see the differences in, in how teams are, are constructed, how teams are put together, and how they're able to perform. More from Rick Hahn here. Um, obviously, the, the White Sox were the focus of a conversation around the old school and new school of baseball. One is one, one is the other, and I don't think anyone professes one to be better or not. It's just things are going in a, in a more new school direction. That means that there's conversation, and at times some, uh, some respected conflict between those two ideologies. The White Sox have been a focus of that conversation, and uh, Jesse Rogers and Rick Hahn talked about that here. I don't know if you're ever going to come to an agreement on anything related to the game, especially when you're talking about uh, uh, perhaps older school perspectives and newer school perspectives. I think the one thing that perhaps, hopefully, we can all agree about on is that uh, there should be room in the game uh, for everyone's perspective to be heard, that there should be respect for uh the older school or, or older view of you know how the game is supposed to be played just as there should be respect for how the game has evolved and how the game has changed and how players expressing themselves uh in the modern game may not necessarily be a sign of res- disrespect to the other mm-hmm. team as opposed to their own self-expression and celebration and while any individual's views, especially, you know, if you, if you say, quote, sort of the, the newer age view may favor the player celebration. I think at the very least, we can all understand that we should respect everyone's opinion, whether they agree with that perspective or they don't. And they're more from the, the older school that you express from each of the managers in, in that situation. In the end, uh, I think everyone's trying to protect their team. Ultimately, right. Uh, right. and no one wants to, you know, be uh, insulted. It's just sort of a matter of, you know, what precisely is is perhaps viewed as disrespectful and what isn't. Uh, in the end, quite frankly, Jesse, my concern is about the Chicago White Sox winning ball games, as, as opposed to uh, uh, coming up with some sort of broad perspective on written versus unwritten rules. Let's just let's just win ball games here. That's Rick Hahn, and his club has won a bunch of ball games, 29 and 20 in the first 49 games this season. Number 50 is coming up this afternoon. I, I think there's that's Rick Hahn with Jesse Rogers on the Baseball Tonight podcast. We've got a little bit more from Rick Hahn in just a second here, but I, I do want to make you know a quick comment. I think Rick's absolutely right. There, there's room for a number of different perspectives in baseball, just the way there's room for a, a number of different perspectives in life, right? The issue pops into baseball, at least for me, when those perspectives butt up against each other in the actual forms of a pitcher and a batter. because And Steve Stone talks about this a lot on, on his side of the broadcast as well. It doesn't matter if, if you're, let's say, you know, you're me, right? I'm Connor McKnight, and I'm playing in the big leagues. I, I don't know what's happened to the big leagues that I'm playing in them now, but let's just say for the hypothetical I'm there. So I'm there playing in the big leagues, and I'm a new school guy, and I just, you know, yanked a homer out to left field and bat flip the heck out of it. Well, if I'm facing a pitcher that happens to be of the old school, it doesn't necessarily matter that I think I should be able to bat flip. 
The fact of the matter is that I walk in there with my mentality of bat flips are cool and we're all good and I'm facing a pitcher that does not agree with me. He's got the ball. He's got the ability to throw 95 and put it kind of wherever he wants. So there's danger involved in that. There's risk there. And I think, you know, I, I don't mean to say that, well, that means that the new school better back off. Quite the opposite, in fact. I just think that there has to be a kind of an understanding of, of what you may face when you take those kind of ideas on the field. Now, thankfully, we, we haven't seen much, you know, retaliation, I guess, or, or at the worst, you know, headhunting in baseball the last couple of seasons. There have been moments, sure. Uh, just last night, Shohei Otani buzzed the tower on the A's. I think it was Mark Canna at the plate, if memory serves. Yeah, I think it was Mark Canna. You know, there was some pushing and some shoving and some yelling and some screaming, but we didn't come to blows or anything like that. And at the end of the day, it was a 2-0 pitch that Otani lost high and tight. But the the consequences are there, and, and I bring it up just to say that you know when Rick Hahn says our focus is on winning ball games, and then kind of backs it up as well by saying and and staying healthy, that is something that managers have to think about. Um, and and I know obviously that, that Larusa is thinking about that. I, I think every manager in baseball thinks about okay, at the end of the day, regardless of what the conversation looks like philosophically, you got to keep guys healthy one way or the other. That is the most important thing. It's just, you know, one pitch away from uh, from an IL stint, and that's kind of a scary thing, especially when we're talking about something as simple as, you know, having fun in the game that can have a, a consequence like that. All right, one more from Rick Hahn, too. And I, I, this is, I told you earlier, you know, we're getting closer and closer to my favorite part of the baseball season, and that, that excludes... You know, obviously the postseason, because no one's guaranteed that. So if, you know, if the Sox do make the postseason, that'll be my favorite part, obviously. Uh, and I think things are headed that way. You know, things are looking good for the White Sox so far. You just, you know, as Tony says, knock on wood, don't take anything for granted. But I love the trade deadline. I love the two, three weeks leading up to the trade deadline for the drama and the headlines and the rumors and everything. Rick Hahn was talking with Jesse Rogers on the Baseball Tonight podcast. Jesse asked Rick his approach. To this year's trade deadline, uh, I'd say our conversations internally are more specific than than they are externally, and by that I mean, uh, you know, just yet, literally yesterday, Kenny Williams and I had a conversation about a specific player that may not be available, but probably would be a real nice fit for us if he were. Uh, and uh, our people have been, you know, doing background research on that and getting prepared for that eventuality. Uh, that player's team, the conversation with that player's team are perhaps a little more preliminary because, uh, you know, in this instance, for example, the team isn't quite, you know, necessarily committed to selling and needs more time to understandably assess, you know, whether it makes sense for them to perhaps focus more on the longer term versus the 21 season. So you can get real specific this time of year internally. You can have all sorts of plans uh, lined up and contingencies and alternatives but ultimately, it's going to come down to uh, when a team feels compelled to move, either because uh, an offer is so overwhelming they can't say no, or in more instances than not, that they've made the assessment that uh, this isn't going to be the year for them. So it's perhaps time to move current assets for future ones. 
Well, that's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, you could probably do the research and get down to, I don't know, probably six, seven, eight, ten players that Rick may have been talking about there. You know, it's a team that may not be committed to selling quite yet. All right, so you look down toward the bottom of the standings and find teams that, you know, obviously aren't obvious rebuilders, maybe. You know, squads that had some postseason contention ideas heading into the year, but whether it be injuries or underperformance or just kind of bad luck, aren't in it right now. All right, sort through those, sort through a couple of positions in need, sort through a couple of players that may or may not be. You could do the homework if you wanted to. I probably will during that commercial break to see if we can come up with a couple of different names. But, you know, we are getting to that point of the season where you start sniffing around a little bit with other clubs. And more so than, you know, as Rick was kind of talking about, more so than saying, like, we want this guy, here's our offer, call us back when you're ready to move, although you know, things like that do happen. I'm not saying that that's not a way to make trades, but at this point of the year, it's more, what do you think about moving some players? Where, where are you at? How, much, how many more weeks would you need to make sure that you're, you're going to offload some people? You know, how many more losses would it look like, or how many losses would it take for you to move uh, this tier of player with this kind of control left as opposed to pending free agents, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I think we're just a, a few ball games away, a couple of weeks away from really figuring things out. And, you know, from the White Sox perspective, too, I think it's crucial, it really matters, that a guy like Adam Engel is, I don't know, let's say a week away from, from being able to maybe be a full-time guy for the White Sox. Maybe it is more than a week. I, 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 would, sh- I would surely think that the White Sox front office would love to see what this lineup looks like, what the defense looks like as well with Adam Engel in there for a handful of ball games and see just how much a relief he provides to some of the run scoring, uh, to some of the defense and, and maybe recalibrate if not recalibrate, then at least kind of understand uh, what is and what isn't necessary for these White Sox uh, to salt away a division title in 2021 because the the expectations are there for them and the division seems to be there and postseason play is is absolutely on the minds of everybody here with the White Sox this year. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. Still got a couple of minutes before we've got to say goodbye and start the pregame show today. Uh, I do want to tell you before we hit the break, you can join us on Wednesday, June 16th. At the Sox take on the Tigers at 1.10 p.m., the first 10,000 fans will receive a retro Southpaw t-shirt. It's designed by local artist Joey D 76 popular go go find him on Twitter at Joey D 76 I'll, I'll retweet the uh, the thing in the first uh, when we get done with the show here single game tickets are on sale now get yours at whitesocks.com when we come back the Sox lineup for today the Orioles have a lineup as well I want to revisit one of the uh, larger baseball issues that we brought up talking to Vinny Duber earlier in the show I'm Connor McKnight this is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network Wrapping it up here on White Sox Weekly, another Saturday edition of our fine White Sox talk show. Uh, much appreciate the efforts of one Vinny Duber, who joined us earlier. He covers the White Sox for NBC Sports Chicago. He's a blast to talk with. Uh, we, we talked about one thing kind of league-wide that I want to circle back to before we say goodbye. Maybe we'll make it a, a larger portion of the show next Saturday as well. Um, do want to give you this, though. Sox fans, it's, it's your last chance 
to lock in a ticket package for the 2021 season. The best way to get it, the best way to get, in fact, postseason priorities, flexible payment plans, and savings on single-game prices for the biggest matchups to come. It's your ticket package for the 2021 season. You get your last chance here. For more information, visit whitesocks.com or call 312-674-1000. White Sox have a lineup out. We'll uh, give it to you again in the pregame show. The Orioles have theirs out as well. I was looking through to see if Trey Mancini is in it. He is not. Tyler Nevin will make his big league debut. If you're thinking, is that the son of Phil Nevin? It is. It's Phil Nevin's kid. Tyler Nevin makes his big league debut playing first. Trey Mancini was hit on the uh, elbow of his right arm in Game 1 of the series. Still in cease. Lost the fastball a little bit. Mancini couldn't raise all of his long arms out of the way. Got hit in that elbow. Was uh, removed from the game after staying in to run the bases. Just it didn't sound like he could throw. Didn't look like he could throw. Mancini... No joke, is one of the better stories in baseball coming back from cancer last season uh, to be one of the RBI leaders in the American League this year. He's playing really well, and as uh, Vinny Duber mentioned earlier in the show, could be a trade target for a squad looking for a guy that could play in the corner of the outfield. Who knows? We'll see. These Orioles are right now, this season, uh, 17 and 33 in the midst of a rebuilding kind of thing. I, I mentioned a pitch clock. When we were talking with Vinny as well, and I think maybe over the next couple of weeks, we'll kind of work through some of the um, some of the ideas that are out there about how baseball will adapt itself uh, due to the run environment and all the strikeouts that we're seeing this year. I just wanted to circle back to it because this a, a pitch clock would be and, and is something that's already in the minor leagues. And the idea behind it isn't so much to speed up the game on hand. It's instead to speed up the pace at which the pitcher works. And that would in turn, if you you know made the guy get the ball and throw the ball, that would in turn change his ability to throw 99, 101 each and every time. It's it's been shown that if you've if you've got more time in between pitches, and this makes a lot of sense, right? If you've got more time between athletic events, you can perform the next one better. Uh, because you've got more rest time. If you take that away from a pitcher a little bit, you've got the chance of, you know, I guess a lot of it's been talked about, the Effectively Wild talk, uh, podcast talks about a lot, putting a restrictor plate on that effort a little bit. And I think that's that's a way that I wouldn't mind seeing baseball go. It is effective. It does work in the minor leagues. We're seeing that happen now. Um, so just something I've been thinking about as baseball, you know, kind of everybody in baseball, whether it's Rick Hahn, the general manager, or whether it's, uh, you know, somebody out in the 108, just kind of talking, not that there's anything wrong with being out in the 108, I'm just saying those, those seats are different. Although Rick sat in the 108 before and, and hung out with everybody, so that's, maybe it's just a bad analogy. Either way, what I mean to say is that there's a, a lot of conversation about all of those different methods of potentially changing the aesthetic appeal of, of baseball right now. And I get the conversation is, is quite a bit about strikeouts, about home runs, and about walks. But really what we're seeing in baseball is that you know, the home run rate kind of stays fairly steady, the walk rate stays fairly steady, and the strikeout rate has increased, sometimes scarily so, each and every year since the White Sox won the World Series in 2005. And if you want to change some of those trends and forces, you've got to change, I think, perhaps, some of the rules around who puts the ball in play 
and that is the pitcher. That's my opinion as we end White Sox Weekly for the afternoon. we got the pregame show coming up in just a couple of minutes. Game one of two is on the way. Dallas Keuchel and Matt Harvey are the starters for the White Sox and the Orioles. Two ball games today. We'll do the pregame show in just a few. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski, Tyler Aki, and Ryan McGuire who helped put White Sox Weekly on the air today. Thanks to Vinny Duber as well. I'm Connor McKnight. Pre-game show starts in five minutes here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network.